Once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Then I jumped on the bandwagon. I'm your host, Aaliyah, and this is Heavy Business, a podcast where we talk to music industry professionals and musicians and learn together about the music industry, marketing, and other tools that can help you promote the music you put so much effort into creating. Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aaliyah. I'm Curtis. And today we have Sophia Frass back on along with Randy Ojeda. Thank you both for joining us today to talk a little bit more about music law. Yeah, thanks for uh, for having us. And you got my name perfectly right. The pronunciation was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, I want to start with a very important question. What is your favorite law related movie and why is it Legally Blonde? <laughs> that, honestly it's for me it's a hundred percent liar liar i think that's oh, my that's favorite law movie you know and and surprisingly one of the more accurate ones i think really okay yeah. well no, keep that in mind next that. time i watch it <laughs> I don't know that, but, um but yeah liar liar for sure um yeah legally blonde uh sophia's legally blonde your favorite i'm, I'm afraid yeah not. it's legally blonde or the firm with tom Cruise. oh yeah yeah, I haven't seen The Firm in a long time. Yeah. I love Legally yeah. Blonde. It's one of my favorite movies. So Yeah, my friends refer to me as Metalhead L. Woods. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> what a compliment. That is awesome. <laughs> but for real, um, I guess we should start with an introduction, actually. Um, we had Sophia introduce herself last time she was on the podcast. So Randy, if you would be so kind as to give us a little bit of background on how you got into law, why you're focusing on music law and yeah, what you do in the realms of metal. Yeah. So um, I had a, I had a pretty uh, unique path to, to the law. So um, I went to law school first um, before I did, you know, obviously before I became a lawyer, I had to go to law school, but regardless, I, uh, I went to law school and while I was in law school, I think in about the end of my first year, beginning of my second year, I started managing a rapper, as one does um, when you're in law school, you know, and um, I Is that managed... a common thing? I would just <laughs> No, it's totally, totally out of left field. But I was uh, I was living in Chicago at the time. Um, that's where I went to law school. And I, I just got to know a lot of like rappers and producers in the area and um, just kind of started following into that scene. Um, and then uh i was managing so i was managing some i was managing in hip-hop for a little while and then um just kind of shifted gears and started my own management company which was more focused on like punk rock heavy music indie rock you know the kind of stuff that like i i grew up i was i'm a bass player so i played in punk bands and metal bands like growing up you know so uh i i wanted to do something i wanted to work in you know a field that was more me you know so i did that for a long time um and uh, at its peak i was managing 10 bands which if you can think about it was like way too many bands uh but but uh you know all my bands were doing really well they were you know we we're you know heavily touring like i had some artists that were on the road like 200 days out of the year you know so a lot of like heavy heavy touring you know um and then uh the pandemic happened and obviously like touring just ceased to be you know and so i i i went from being the busiest i'd ever been to 
not busy at all. So I figured if I was ever going to sort of shift my gears back to law and what I originally went to school for, the pandemic was the time to do it, you know? So um, it kind of forced my hand in that sense. And I, I, I took the bar exam and immediately started this firm. And just because I've been in the music industry for so long, um, you know, I also did A&R for a distribution company and, you know, I wore, you know, several hats in the industry. So um, I, yeah, I, I was, it was pretty easy to, to pick up clients and start working with people and start working with artists. And, um, you know, I always say that I'm genre agnostic, so I will do any, you know, I'll work with any genre as long as it's like cool and genuine music. Um, but I definitely, I would love to do more metal and more heavy music. I work with a couple of heavy labels um, and, uh, you know, some artists, but, but I, I would definitely love to do more. So if you're, if you're listening to this or watching this and you need, and you need a music lawyer and you're playing in a heavy band, let me know, you know. Well, on that note, what are some key signs that bands should be attuned to? Uh, to know if they are ready to hire a music lawyer? It's a great question. Great question. So first off, um, I would argue that every band needs a music lawyer at the beginning because um, every band needs a band agreement. So that's like the one thing where I'm, I'm every time I meet a new band, I'm like, do you guys have a band agreement? And 90% of the time, the answer is no, because bands don't think that they need it. And it's, you know, basically it's a, a band agreement is like a basic document that, you know, says you know, who, uh, who owns the band name, who owns the songs, what percentages does, does everybody get of royalties of, of, of publishing of ownership, you know, all these questions that like, if you're a solo artist, it's easy because you're getting everything at first, and then you start splitting the pie. But as a band, you need to decide from the very beginning, like what is, what, what is the plan here? And it's a lot easier to decide that when you're all friends, when the band's just starting, when things are new, then when you're at each other's throats or somebody quits or something happens and suddenly you're in a situation where it's like, well, I, gee, I don't know. Can, you know, can I take the band name and go, you know, find three more friends and start a new band or do these other guys own this band name? Or, you know, can I play these songs? Can I re-record these songs? Who owns the songs? You know, who owns the recordings that we made? Who owns, you know, there's so many questions that you just need to, you know, simply figure out, um, you know, and I, I tell bands too, like, I mean, we, you know, I will put together a band agreement for you, but, you know, at the very least, like write something down amongst yourselves and, you know, hire a lawyer just to look it over and make sure it looks okay. You know, you know, it doesn't need to be a super formal document. It just needs to, you know, answer some basic questions about ownership of music and, and copyright and, and your intellectual property, you know. I was just about to ask, can you, like, if a band doesn't have the money to hire a lawyer, could they do one sufficiently amongst themselves that would still be legal? Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever you put together would still be legal. You are you just might be missing some obvious, you know, or obvious to me and Sophia, like obvious, uh, you know, clauses or, or, or sections of the contract that, you know, you might not be thinking about all the potential contingencies that would come up. And that's where, you know, that's where we come in. But you know, I tell artists, it's the same way with split sheets too. You know, like when you're in the studio with somebody, even if you just take a napkin and write down like 50% is going to go to me and 50% is going to go to Curtis or whatever, you know, um, even if you just write that down on a napkin, it's better than not saying it, you know, um, and not having it written. But though, you know, just, just having, just having an idea of where 
you know, stuff is stuff is going to be allocated is going to save a lot of headaches in the future. So yeah, I worked with a band um, a while ago during the pandemic, and they just, I was kind of a quasi manager for them. There was never like a formal agreement or anything, but they broke up very soon because they just could not decide who owned what, who would be contributing what to the songs. They just kept fighting over these things, and all of that probably could have been avoided if they had written something down from the start and yep. all agreed on it. So. Absolutely. So, so yeah, to, and to go back to your question, Aliyah, the, um, um, you know, obviously you should have a, a lawyer from the very beginning for your band agreement. Let's say, you know, you don't, you know, you're, you're not there yet where you, where you feel like you need to hire a lawyer, at least do the band agreement. But beyond that, when you should be looking for a lawyer is when, whenever anybody else is coming into the picture. So whether that be a manager, an agent, uh, a record label, especially if it's a record label, you know, like that's when you should be hiring a lawyer. Anytime somebody else is coming in to, you know, get a percentage of what you do or pay, or you're going to pay somebody for a service or whatever it is, you should have a lawyer involved, you know, even, even sometimes with like publicists, you know, you should have really, cause we've never had to involve a lawyer in anything with anything we've ever done. Yeah, no, but yeah, well, you something. must be do you must be doing something right. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Now, now you're making me wonder, though. But <laughs> no, no, I you know I, I just kind of threw that in there. It's uh, hey, I'm just it's valid, with if, it's valid, well, if it's valid. Well, generally it's valid. speaking, publicists <laughs> do not take a percentage or, no, we just, or any course, kind of ownership. Of course, yeah, yeah, and, and a publish a publicist deal should be pretty straightforward, where it's you know you're you're getting paid you x amount for for your service exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know. You never know. There's like there's so many crazy deals out there and and people taking advantage of artists in ways that, you know, you know, I don't know what a publicist could could potentially throw at. Oh, I could I could I could think of some ripoff artists right now. I could tell you off off the uh, stream, but yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they're they're out there and it's like yeah. once you start growing a little bit as a band, like I was uh I was just talking to a band who um landed a, you know, a couple Spotify playlists with their latest release and now all of a sudden the people are coming out of the woodwork with, you know, oh, we can up your streams by 10 times and we can do this and we can do that. And, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, most of it is going to be uh, scams. You know, that's just how it is. Well, without getting too deep into scams, because me and Sophia ranted about this, I think it was yesterday or the day before, oh, yeah. but um, <laughs> without getting too heavily into the scam aspect of things, uh, what would be some examples of potential things like that they should consult a lawyer about um yeah i mean specifically like you know when um you know if you have if anytime somebody's asking for a percentage or anytime somebody's asking for an upfront payment on something you know those are kind of the two areas where you know before you hand somebody over your money you should you know talk to a lawyer a make sure it's legit b if you need an agreement you know make sure you have an agreement you know, um, I think back to the, do you guys watch the show Dave on FX? I don't uh, It's the little Dicky show. He's a rapper, but, um, he like sends in like one of the first episodes, he wires like $5,000 to somebody named like P money or something, you I know, like, like this, without, yeah. with no, with no contract or no nothing. He doesn't even know this guy's name and he just sends over, you know, $5,000 or whatever it is. And, um, you know, kind of gets screwed at at the end. Spoiler alert! But you know that kind of thing happens Doctor. all the time. You know, where well, artists will, I've seen artists it. will hit me up and be like, 
yeah i gave you know especially in especially in hip-hop it's like artists will be like oh i gave so and so you know two thousand dollars and he was supposed to send me a beat and then you never got the beat it's like well did you have an agreement did you involve management did you talk to their label like did you go through any of these steps no well i just you know i just saw a dm on instagram and i, I cashed after him it's like well and there you go you know and that that kind of thing you know people will call me all the time with that exact story you know you think you'd use something that you could get your money back with at least you know what i mean but yeah yeah um okay so just one more question just on this so without going into any details what's the most shocking example you've seen of someone getting ripped off that they could have avoided by talking to a lawyer uh -huh. it, without going into details obviously just yeah general. yeah <laughs> i want to hear um, if you're willing to say uh man i wish i wish there's there's so many there's so many names i want to drop right now <laughs> so many artists that I, like i'm are, totally are, not asking for that no i'm not doing that i'm not doing that um it's just yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of scammers out there but um yeah i guess uh i don't know i don't know i've 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 seen you know these like quote-unquote labels you know offering deals that uh you know, they, they've never actually like labels that have never actually attempted to pay for the art, you know, pay the artists what they're owed. And then, you know, you, you reach out to them for accounting and they like get super mad, you know, it's like, they're, it's like, like, it's like, you're like, you're the one bugging them for, for an accounting update or, you know, to see their books or whatever. And they're, you know, like they don't have books, you know what I mean? Like there's, so there's a lot of people signing these record deals to labels that, just aren't real labels like they're not doing the things that labels are supposed to do um i know the that's kind of like a one. general one but what's that Sophia? the recent one. <laughs> oh, that that's not even a bad one i know what i know really? what you're talking about yeah that by comparison like there's some labels oh out there that are you know it's not that they're asking for a lot it's just that they don't even deliver on what they mm -hmm. ask for you know yeah. um what, what would so you, what would you call an unreal label because in metal there's a lot of labels that are a lot labels. of super underground independent labels yeah yes. well, there isn't yeah. worse but in hip-hop but um how what would you define as being like an actual label because a lot of labels want money up front for printing costs and you know so i just want to hear sure. your your kind of uh thought on this before we continue yeah, I mean, I think it, it that's kind of what I mean. Like, it can be especially tough with these with these really small independent labels yep. because you know um, running a label is hard, and I think a lot of times it's not even like a malicious thing where they're trying to screw over the Agreed. artist. They just legit legitimately don't know. You know, they don't they they don't know what they don't know. You know, um, but I think I, I think. Um, to be a real label you just have to you you have to do you have to actually put out the releases so that's the first thing like can you can you Big get number one yeah can you get the release you know whether it be a digital distribution deal or a physical distribution can you get the release from point a to point b that's like step one and then step two can you market the release so are you doing something more than just posting an instagram image and saying hey here's this album like are you you know are you doing ad buys are you 
um, are you pitching to Spotify and Apple Music and these these different platforms? You know, are you doing these? Are you doing something more than what the artist could just do by you know releasing it on DistroKid or whatever? You know, so that's step two. And then step three, and this is the biggest part and the part that a lot of people miss is you need to have your accounting correct and you need to have the money right. So you know, even if it's just even if it's just twenty dollars that you owe the artist, or or even if you never recoup, like let's say you put in you know, 10 grand to put this record together and it only sold back four grand or whatever. As long as you can show the artist, like, look, this is the money. This is where the money went, you know, then you're a real label. But until you, until you do that, like you're, you know, and if you're missing one of those three things, then you're, it's just a hobby and a passion project, you know? Okay. So here, 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 here's a scenario. You tell me, tell me if this would make sense. So Sophia gets uh, offered a contract right now. Uh, for Excel, she gets she gets offered a contract by a label. What should she be looking for in that deal uh, right now? They want to release it on CD. What should she be looking for? Yeah, so the the main things are um, the ownership, you know, the timing, and termination. Like, how can you get out of it? So the first thing is is ownership. So who owns? Who owns the songs? Are you giving them these master recordings for them to own it? Or are you owning your music and licensing it out to them for a certain number of years or whatever it may be? So that's the first question is who owns the music? Second is how long is the term? How long do they own the music for? Are they getting the masters 100% for 20 years? Are they getting it in perpetuity? Are they getting it for five years? You know, what's what's the ownership? And then termination you know what what steps need to happen in order for you to get out of this deal so if you're you know if they don't pay you know for for six months or a year or, or two quarters or however long it is can you exit the deal you know if they if they fail to you know put out your record in a certain amount of time like let's say you want your record to come out before the end of the year and they put it on the shelf you know for an extra two years or whatever it is or can you leave that deal and re-release, you know, re-release it with somebody else in a sooner time. You know, those kinds of those are the three main questions: ownership, length, and termination. You know, how who owns the records? How long do they own it for? And how do you get out of this deal if something goes sour, or mm-hmm. or not? Or maybe how do you get out of the deal if you just want to get out of the deal? You know. Okay, so Sophia and and, and uh, Leah's band are both getting signed. So what should which what are those things that you just talked about are the main red flags you need to be watch, watching out for? Hmm. Main you red flags. Like, because you mentioned like the rights and stuff, you know, length of time, like what's bad in these types of things, if you're willing to say. Yeah, I mean, I think unless a label is putting out a ton of upfront money, so that unless they're giving you a really big advance, um, they should never own. And even then, they probably shouldn't own the masters, but um never should a label own own the masters if you're if you're just if you're just giving them the music to put out like if they're not paying a bunch of upfront money you want to um you want to license your music as opposed to sell you know sell your music like you want to license it out for a period of for a period of time and that can be anywhere from you know i've seen deals that are as short as three years to as long as 10 15 20 years of licensing but then when you're licensing the music out you still take you still retain ownership of it so you're not you're just giving this record label the license to promote this music on your behalf for this x amount of time 
and then they'll get whatever their percentage is. So that's like the main thing, um, especially for smaller, you know, rock bands, metal bands, like, you know, smaller labels, like you want to make sure that you're licensing your music and not selling it to them, you know? Um, so that's, that's like red flag. Number one, um, red flag. Number two is the word perpetuity. If you ever see the word perpetuity, you know, like that's, that's usually going to be a red flag. That's not something you want to, you know, you don't want to just give your life work away for forever. You know, you want some sort of ownership return, whether that be, you know, the license deal or actual like ownership coming back to you, you know, um, even if it's 20 years, it sounds like a long time, but trust me in 20 years, you'll appreciate it, you know, much more than in perpetuity. So, um, and then, and then the last red flag I would think is just deals that are, um like really restrictive in terms of getting out of them like you're you know there's some deals where you know the deal will go on for a year and then it'll renew for like three years or four years or something like that and it's like why does it renew for such a long time after this initial period you know or deals where you specifically have to recoup um like because most deals they'll say like you have to recoup whatever we put in before you can get out of the deal but sometimes they'll say like, you need to recoup 10 times whatever we advance or X amount of whatever we advance before you can leave the deal, you know, and those are the types of red flags you got to stay away from because, you know, that can be tough to do. So no kidding. Uh, I'll let Leah ask a question since I've been hogging the time. Thank you, Curtis. <laughs> um, but that was all really good information. Um, and I want to get, to asking about how the lawyers are getting paid because um, it's you know easy to see the benefits of getting the advice and getting help from a lawyer, but what can bands be expecting to invest in this and and or how do lawyers get paid for this kind of service? Yeah, totally. So there, there's a couple different ways, and you know every lawyer is a little bit different. Um, the, you know, the, the different ways that I do it is for a lot of clients, it's just strictly hourly, you know, so, you know, you're, you're paying for my time, whether that be time that I'm working on a document for you or reviewing it or time that we're actually physically sitting together and, and discussing and consulting, you know? Um, and I think for me, that's the consulting aspect is something I really, um, I really enjoy and I really look forward to because, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time as a manager wearing other hats. So, you know, sometimes artists just want to talk for an hour about where their career is going and what their goals are and what they want to do. And they don't have anybody in a professional capacity to, to do that with, you know, so that's one aspect. That's one way that lawyers get paid is, is by hourly charges. Um, and you can go on my website and you can actually book me for a virtual hour if you want. So we can do this essentially, you know, via Zoom or Google Meet and, you know, we can talk for an hour or a half hour, whatever. Um so that's one way. Another way is you um, you have a lawyer on on retainer, you know, and that's where, you know, you'll you'll pay up front. And then um, as work comes in, the lawyer will do that work and then take the money from that upfront payment. You know, that's um, that's definitely good for bigger projects. And a lot of like bigger projects, I, I do require a retainer just to make sure that the client can pay. Um you know, because I know how Indian, I know how independent artists are and budgets can be tough. So, you know, I'd rather know from the very beginning, like, okay, we're gonna, 
we're going to do this for X amount. And this is how much time I'm going to allocate to this. And this is how much time you're going to get from me. So it's easier to do that up, up front. Um, and then for some clients and, you know, this is, this is getting more rare in the industry, just as, you know, things kind of change, but for a lot of artists, it, it really does still work and make sense. But for some clients, I'll do a percentage basis. So I'll, I'll, it's kind of like a management deal where, you know, or, a uh, an agency deal or something where I'm getting a percentage of, um, whatever royalties are coming in in exchange for doing all the legal work that comes in. And this is, you know, that, that can be, that can really make sense for a certain artists that are very high volume or doing, you know, releasing a lot of music, putting out a lot of content, collaborating a lot with other artists, you know, um, that can make sense. But a lot of times for bands, that doesn't make sense just because it's like, you, you know, you need me more sparingly than like uh, a record, you know, like a hip hop producer who's like producing a hundred beats a day and needs deals all the time. You know, it's like, it can be different, you know? So, um, I have a question though. So how much should yeah. they be allocating for a budget approximately? Not like obviously, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Cause I, I mean, I don't know what like people pay in different markets, you know? So, um, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess Fair. it depends on, it depends on the attorney, you know, Fair. should they be um, looking in the thousands of dollars, I guess is what I'm asking or in the hundreds of dollars. It, it depends on what it is. Fair. It depends on what it is. But, um, I mean, I know that like, especially for newer artists and independent artists, like all work with their budget, you know, it's like, if you're getting, if you're signing a record deal and you're not getting an advance and like, you know, you're not, there's, it's a small label or whatever. Like, I'm not going to charge you thousands of dollars to review the contracts. That just doesn't make sense, you know? So I like to, you know, be flexible. And that's why, that's why I, I take payment in different ways because, you know, we can work something out that makes sense for, for everybody. And that's also the benefit of being a, a solo attorney at a small firm, you know, that I can, I can have that flexibility. Whereas the larger firms, you know, they got to make their quotas and they're not going to be able to, you know, they're not going to be able to cut a deal for an artist, you know? So. I cool. have a quick question. Quick question. Um, you are licensed in Florida, right? Mm -hmm. So are you able to work with bands that are not Florida based bands or do you have yeah, to limit yourself yeah. to? Yeah, totally. And actually I was just talking about that today. Like most of my clients, I want to say like, um, 80% or so are outside of Florida, you know? Um, and that's just cause music is like, music is federal law, you know? So it's, it's not state specific. Um, there are certain things that I can't do and I can't like enter a courtroom in different States, which I wouldn't want to do anyways, but in terms of, you know, contracts and transactional work and negotiating and consulting, which is what I do, like, you know, it, as, as long as I'm, uh, licensed in a state, then it's, then it's fine you know what about for uh like let's say if a band from another country needed help with something but it was involving an american company would that make sense uh yeah that could make sense um okay. you know uh sophie and i were just talking about this today i, I think actually yeah. right about like international the international rules and that's that's something where you know i haven't it hasn't really come across my desk yet that i've worked with bands internationally you know um, but I imagine if they were doing business here and they were working here in the U.S., then it, then that would be fine, you know. Cool. Okay. Um, Aliyah, I had a different angle, but if you want to do yours. 
I lost it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so what I wanted to talk about really, really quickly was, okay, so like, let's say band gets a contract with a label or something like that. Um, they're starting their negotiations and stuff. So should they be having a, a lawyer involved right off the bat or they should they just let their manager handle it? Or like, what do you advise on this type of thing? Um, obviously, like it's whatever they can afford, you know, okay. so if you can if you can afford an attorney to start in from the beginning and 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 work the deal from the very beginning, I'd say that's always the best way to go. Um, even with your management, like if, if you have management, like I, I think it's still a smart idea to bring a lawyer in from the very beginning just so that, you know, you can you can get the best deal possible. But if if budget is an issue, you know, or, you know, you 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 really um have faith in your management or whatever it is, then um, you can, you can hire a lawyer at the end of the deal to review it and make sure, you know, redline it, you know, make sure there's no red flags. You know, the, the only thing is at that point, it's a lot harder. Like if your deal is not good, it's a lot harder for me to go back and be like, man, like you could have gotten 15%, but instead you're getting this, you know, whatever it is like, you know, I, I, it's hard. Once you've been negotiating for a while, it's hard to go back to the, the the table and say like, well, now as the lawyer, I'm saying that this should be only 20% or whatever it is, you know, you, it, that's a lot harder to do than in the beginning, you know, you can hire a lawyer and start setting those precedents and anchoring yourself accordingly so that you're getting the best deal that you can, you know. So I guess they should get a lawyer or a lawyer who's also a manager then. What, that hey, of, doesn't, yeah. doesn't hurt. Yeah. This is the, that was the topic that I wanted to dive into actually, because Sophia yeah. and Randy, you both have experience managing bands and mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wanted to know how does that connect with the law aspect and, or how does it inform your knowledge as uh, a lawyer, a lawyer in training? Sophia, you go for it. Yeah. Well, I, I was telling Curtis earlier that music law at least from my experience, hasn't been so much that, oh, this is outright illegal or this is outright wrong. It's just, it's more like you need to get really familiar with the industry in order to understand what the standards and conventions are so that when you come across like a record deal or a collaboration agreement, you understand what the standards are and how you can negotiate within and around those standards to push for a better deal. So it's not necessarily that like a label or a collaborator will be doing something that's outright wrong. It's just that depending on your level of experience in the music industry, you have a better eye for what you could potentially do better, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's 100%. That's right on. Um, yeah, and I think um, to your question, Aaliyah, like the, there's a lot of overlap between being a manager and being a lawyer. Um, you know, but I think as a lawyer, you know, you're just brought in for specific deals generally. And as a manager, you're really doing, you know, you're doing branding, you're doing marketing, you're doing, you're pitching the band, you're doing, you're doing kind of everything involved in working with a band versus as a lawyer, you're, you're just more focused on like specific, you know, specific deals, which for me has been great because, you know, I, I said at the beginning of the podcast that I, I was you know, at the height of my management company, I was managing 10 bands. Um, you know, that was like, you know, I was, I was working like 80 hour weeks, you know, with 10 bands, but like now, 
um, you know, as a lawyer, like I can take on a lot more clients and a lot more artists because, you know, I'm not dealing with the nitty gritty. I'm not, you know, getting a 2 a.m. phone call because somebody just broke up with their significant other and they don't want to tour anymore. You know, I'm not getting those. Calls. I get those. <laughs> Oof, fuck. <laughs> Yeah. Curtis has yeah. too too personal a relationship with his PR clients. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that can be good too. You know, <laughs> depends. Um, I had a quick question just on that though. So, okay, so with the management stuff versus the legal stuff, so you can take on more clients this way. Is there some type of quality check you have to do with the client? Just out of curiosity, other than can they pay? Um, I personally do a quality check. Yeah, like um, what do you that's... like? What does that consist of? law yeah i mean it's for me it's um you know and it can definitely depend on what the situation is but for the most part like you know as a lawyer i also you know want to help my clients in other ways besides just doing the law and and you know doing the the, the consulting and the strategizing like if i can you know connect an artist with an agent or if i can connect an artist with a label or something like that i want to be able to do that so i don't want to represent stuff that isn't good you know, and then, and then have that be my name on the line when, you know, even just emailing other attorneys and other people in the industry, like, you know, if I'm emailing about a client, I want that client to be good. You know, I don't want to be bothering. I don't want to be bothering people with stuff that, you know, I, I don't stand behind. And, and again, like I am genre agnostic. So like, you know, sometimes I, people have to tell me like, like, I don't really listen to electronic music very much, but like, if somebody tells me like this dude's like, really a really good dj or she's like a really good dj or whatever it is like you know i'll i'll listen to that you know um well let me ask you ask you this so let's say but okay so like if like if it's not good so you you'll actually listen to the client prior to taking the money is that what you're saying usually yeah that's like it's even in my my consultations like my initial consultations like one of the first questions i ask is can you put a link to your music and you best believe before that meeting i'm going to be listening to your music you know i thought that was just for fun you thought it was just for fun (laughs) no that's that's on purpose like i want to have some context i'm just surprised the lawyer's saying this because we do that for pr i just wasn't even thinking you guys would be doing that yeah. And I, I think it's for me, it's a bandwidth thing, too, because like I get a lot of people reaching out and, you know, it's just it's just how do I want to spend my time? Like, do I want to spend my time um, working on stuff that I like or do I want to spend my time, you know, just working stuff that can pay? And, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that I've never taken on a client because just because have. they can pay, you know, like we, sometimes we've you have to that. do it, yep. you know, um, but I, I, I in that case, I would be very open and honest about where my limitations are with with the client like i would i would let them know like hey like i can't really you know i don't know if i i don't know if my my contacts would you know if i don't know if i can pitch this or i don't know if i can share this with all my contacts or whatever it is but you know you're you're having a legal issue so i i will help you if if, it, if that's what it is you know um i know we're running out of time but i got another quick question i think it's a quick yeah you question. can finish us out curse cool so like what other type of qualifications do you have other than just the music? Do you like, do you check if they're offensive, if they've been in legal trouble before? Like, what do you do? Like if Vince Neil is coming to you from Motley Crue, he's already like killed some guy, you know, what do you do? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, well, 
like, I what haven't you, been like, in that you, situation. Well, like, do you background check guys or like, how does it work? Like, um, no, I mean, not, you know, I, 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 I typically Google search people and, you know, check their Fair. Spotify and their social medias and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I don't typically background check people. I just, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't take on somebody that's like super offensive or, you know, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not a very political person, but like, I wouldn't take on somebody with like really radical politics that I disagree with, you know? So, okay. um, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to say anymore on that. I just Fair. Want, you know, Fair. um, but most, most of the people that, you know, I, I, I'm pretty open about like, you know, I'm a, I'm a very like, you know, inclusive person. And I, I, I like, you know, I like to work with people of different, you know, different backgrounds and, and everything. So I, you know, I'd, I'd hope that the clients that come to me tend to be of the same manner and, and, and pretty cool, you know, but every now and then you get these people, especially in Florida, unfortunately, uh, where I live <laughs> that, that are just, you know, I, not somebody I want to work with, you know? So what if you're Google everybody knows the Florida man headlines? Everybody yeah, knows that's, that's real stuff, man. The Florida man is not is not a joke. Well, so yeah. what do you do? So what do you do? You Google search the guy, you like the music, but then you find out they do have a crazy legal history. Do you, is that just like you're gone? I don't want to deal with you type thing or what? No, I think I mean, I would still have a conversation with them. You know, I'll talk to anybody, I guess, and see, you know, what what's going on. Maybe there's maybe there's something I'm missing, but definitely like that can be a red flag like if also if somebody's had too many lawyers that can be a red flag for me too that's you where know, i was trying like, to lead to to find out yeah. if that was like mm, okay yeah somebody who's like oh you know I, this is you're like the fifth lawyer i've called about or i've hired for this or something like that that's usually a red flag that like if the other lawyers couldn't get it done i mean you know i'm you know i what what can i do to, to better the situation you know and then also typically if they've gone through that many lawyers and i'm sure you know this like if they go through you know so many publicists or so many i won't touch uh, our people yeah it's like there's got to be a reason for it yep. you know either the either the client's crazy or their expectations are out of whack or, or... they badmouth the earlier pr or something like that like eh. yeah. yeah those are those are all red flags so yep. um you know the moral of that story is to be cool to people you know don't be don't be a jerk and you know don't don't uh yeah. don't get yourself into trouble in the words of one of the guys in death clock don't be a dick be a dude yeah a hundred percent do i have time for one more question only or are we uh oh. yeah i actually wanted to ask something Go ahead. Go ahead. yeah I, I have time so if you guys have time i'm i'm cool i'm not the one with limited time i'll leave uh, yes, we just try to keep our episodes to be somewhat uniform in length. I gotcha. um, but you'll just have to have me back then. It's, we it's will. Okay. That's yeah. that's the trick, you know. We cut out the podcast just a little early so that we can we can convince everybody to come back. Yeah, leave them wanting more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention that we didn't get to talk about at all was licensing music for TV shows, video games, Ooh, yeah. other media. Yeah. Um. Can you speak a little bit on that topic? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's like in if you ask me, that's the best way to make money in the music industry right now is, you know, there's I mean, before the the writers strike and all that, there was, you know, so much content coming out from uh, from all the different streaming services. And, you know, all of that needs, you know, all of that is licensed music, you know, that's necessary. So 
Um, you know, licensing, I think, is one of the most lucrative things you can do as an artist and as a songwriter or producer, you know, to have your your music and, you know, something that you own the publishing for or whatever in in, you know, a TV show or a video game or a movie or something is is massive, um, not only just for the the actual monetary value from it, but just that's a great way to make fans, you know, like I've found so many cool artists just from watching a TV show that I like, you know, so. Right. Or um, like uh, credits in movies. I used to get yeah. artists from there. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Do, do you know much about how bands can come come about deals like that? Or are you more like you you can help them make sure that it's a good one? Uh, Both. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's uh the way that the way that bands can can do it honestly is um first off do your research so like know who you're targeting um make sure you know like whatever show or movie you want to be on or whatever music supervisor you're gonna you're gonna pitch to make sure that they like the type of music that you make so that's first off you know and be specific and and really really research it and reach out to these music supervisors and say hey here's my catalog here's my music you know um use the word one stop music supervisors like one stop one stop means that like you you can clear the whole song on your own you don't have to go to you don't have to clear with a record label or a publisher or you know this person or this collaborator you can just say like hey this is cleared because music supervisors if they have one stop songs like that's always going to get precedent over like you know can we clear this thing that has five different songwriters and two publishers and three record labels or can we email Sophia and say, Sophia, we want your song. And she says, yes. And then it's licensed, you know, it's done. So um, let the music supervisors know it's one stop, send them your catalog, um, use something like um, SoundCloud or Disco. Disco is really good. D-I-S-C-O. Um, it's a great, like, it's a great way to share unreleased files and catalogs and large quantities of music. A lot of, a lot of music supervisors use Disco. Um and uh, Disco makes it easy because you can just add straight from a Disco link. You can add all the music to your library at once. So that's like really huge. Um, but yeah, send send the music over to the music supervisors directly and just just pitch yourself, you know, and it, and it could take, um, you know, you, it could take years before they, they need your music. But if you're accurately describing it, you know, and you're, you know, they'll add it to their library and you never know when you know, they might need that specific sound. Like they might specifically need a, a black and doom metal band, you know, <laughs> like, and then there you go. You're in, you're in, you know, but as long as you do the research up front and the same thing goes honestly for pitching anybody in the industry for labels, for publicists, for whoever you're trying to work with, like do the research first and make sure that yes. they're in the wheelhouse that you're in, you know. Just in general to avoid a fucking scam, do your research. At least do a Google search of the person you're talking to. Yeah, to make sure. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you get the cash app scams like you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, the cash app scams. Yeah, they um, but licensing is 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 great. Um, you know, uh, we were talking earlier. But I I have a client who's um has a song that's getting licensed on an Amazon series. I can't say more about it, but um. I was very surprised and and happy that Amazon offered quite a bit of money, um, you know, for for the to use the song, you know, which is which is incredible, you know. So um, a lot of a lot of streaming services try to lowball you. I know, like, 
you know, Netflix is kind of notorious for that, for, yep. for not paying that much for music budgets, but and this is the first Amazon check I've seen and I'm happy with it. So, you know, go Amazon, I guess. I have a question on this. I guess this is my final question now, but I was going to ask something else. Um, what, how does that work? So the lawyer negotiates this large fee. What do you guys get out of it? Do you guys just still take your hourly rate or do you guys get something extra for that? If you're willing to say. Um, usually for something like that, I'll, I'll do a percentage. Cool. So a percentage of whatever the fee is, you know, cool. Um, which is, you know, if you want to break it down, like it, you know, that's the unfortunate part of the industry and why, like, you know, every point really matters because, you know, let's say, you know, you get, um, a hundred thousand dollars, you know, for, for your song, but then, you know, half of that is it probably immediately going to go to your record label because they own the master mm -hmm. side, you know, most likely, or they have the license to the master side or at least 50% of it, whatever. Let's say they own the whole thing. Half of that's already going to go to the label. So now you're down to $50,000. Okay. And then there's four songwriters. So each songwriter is getting 25%, let's say in a perfect world. Now you're down to, I don't know, what's the math on that? What's, what's, a quarter of 50,000. I can't do math anymore. I have to use my phone. <laughs> yeah. 1250? You're, yeah, you're down to like 1250. 12, okay, 5. so yeah, so you're 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 in that ballpark and then um but then your manager is going to get 10%. You know, your lawyer is going to get somewhere between 5 and 7%. And then um if you have a publisher, your publisher is probably going to get another 10%, you know, so you can just see how quickly, you know, you the songwriter ends up with very little money you know by the by the time everybody gets their their cut you know so negotiating an extra two percent or one percent or three percent it may seem frivolous at the time but that can be the difference between you know a couple thousand dollars or something you know so and that's also why it's important to to keep as much of the pie as you can you know and the best kind of pie is Ooh. What do you think? Uh I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be a Florida boy and go key lime pie. I agree. Do you right. agree? Good nice. Choice. Yeah. Yeah, key lime pie is where it's at. But it's gotta be good, real key limes, fresh key limes. You know, it can't be you know store bought stuff. Oh yeah. What do you think, Curtis? What's your favorite kind of pie? Apple. Wow, very American of you. Very American. Very American, and I'm Canadian, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gee, and I'm going to go with pecan. Nice. And that's how I what's, say it. What's Canada's national pie? Like if, if it's American as national no. pie? What's know. the, it's Canadian I, as? I've never heard maple of syrup. I've I was going to say maple, <laughs> maple syrup pie. I, I, don't <laughs> I don't think we have a national pie, but I'm now going to Google it once we get off the call. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to try some. I mean... We maple have beaver cream tails. pie sounds good. We have like sugar tails. cream pie, but maple? No, mm. there's beaver tails, which is like this breaded type. Anyways, I'll send you guys a link later. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> With that, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We will yeah, have to have you me. back to talk more in detail about other such topics. Yeah, I'm I can talk about anything as you can as you can hear. <laughs> but thanks so much for having me. It was uh it was really great. I've been, you know, following you guys on instagram and twitter and everything and sophia has been talking you up so i'm excited to to be part of oh, the nice. the the vibe you know Heck yeah thank you um, sophia too and thank yeah. you Randy. 
but yeah, and if you're watching this, follow me on all the socials at real Randy Ojeda. Um, or, you know, go to randyohedalaw.com. You can book some time with me. We can talk. We can do this. You know, you can recreate this podcast in your own home on your own with me. Love it. Um, just by booking me, you know. Love it. Very yeah. good. Very good. And everyone listening, thank you for listening. And now and when you make your consultation call with Randy, remember to make like a bull and throw those horns up. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music. <laughs>